This episode is brought to you by Hyperice, the leader in advanced warm-up and recovery technology. They have tons of innovative products, like Venom-heated wearables to help soothe sore back muscles, Normatec compression boots to speed up recovery and increase circulation, and Hypervolt massage guns to improve mobility. Loved by athletes like Naomi Osaka and Erling Holland. Try them yourself. Get 10% off your order with the code MOVE at hyperrice.com. The Action Network Podcast. 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 If you are even remotely a savage, you'll run these people over in a second. Oh! Welcome into the Action Network podcast presented by the FanDuel Sportsbook. I'm your host, Brendan Glasheen, joined by Sean Zarillo and Billy Ward. You know what that means. UFC betting preview in this episode. We're breaking down UFC on ABC4 this weekend from the Spectrum Center in Charlotte, North Carolina. Five on the main card, seven prelims, looking at our favorite underdogs, props, and more. And we'll finish up with the best bets. But first, we will start with the main event, as we always do. Jerezinho Rosenstrike, plus 390 on the money line. He is a significant underdog. He takes on Chaliton Almeida. He's at minus 550 uh, for the weekend. So knowing that there is a big, heavy favorite here, Zarillo, I know there will be other mechanisms in terms of how we want to bet this main event. So what do you make of the matchup, and how do we want to bet it? Not a great betting fight and frankly, not a great main event to put on ABC. Not really sure what the UFC is doing here. This fight not going to go more than probably 10 minutes and definitely not more than 15. So there was no reason to make this a main event and give them a five round fight. Um, We haven't seen Jelton Almeida extended yet. And I would expect at some point, some heavyweight has been able to do it. But basically with his skill set at heavyweight and light heavyweight, where I would expect him to eventually move down to, Eventually, he's trying to compete in both divisions at the moment. One takedown seems to be enough for him to win these fights. The grappling at heavyweight, light heavyweight, is just not at the same level as it is at the lower weight classes. He is clearly a world-class Brazilian jiu-jitsu practitioner. And he actually has pretty good wrestling, which is not something you could say about a lot of these BJJ guys. So he's able to get to the back pretty easily, able to pick up these 265-pound men and slam them and I doubt that Rosenstrike, if he gets taken down, is going to have anywhere near the same type of resistance that Shamil Abdurakhimov did in Jelton's last fight. So one takedown, probably enough to win the fight. Uh, Rosenstrike probably needs to catch Almeida coming in with an uppercut or something like that to finish him or hurt him before he's able to get to the legs. But Jelton to win in round one, even money. Jelton under one and a half rounds or the fight to end under one and a half rounds is minus 215. I don't really see it getting past the seven and a half minute mark. So even though that's juiced up, a very juiced up under one and a half, I actually think it's probably a safe bet. Need to see where I would set my price target out for that, but would imagine I will probably end up having some gelatin round one and also the under one and a half. Okay. So round one price at FanDuel minus 140. Is that playable? Yeah, that's, right. that's too steep. There are some even money prices out there though, if you search around. And then at that point, you know, I believe FanDuel at minus 215 on the under one and a half. I would just take the under one and a half at that point. Okay, very good. Billy Ward, how do our luck ratings for UFC Charlotte factor into this potentially? Yeah, not a ton. You know, as we 
the more heavyweight, most of the heavyweight fights, they're just so likely to end in finish that it's really hard to say that a guy got lucky with that knockout or that rear naked choke in round one, you know? So not something that I love from a luck ratings angle, you know, and if this were in a main event, I probably wouldn't be betting it. You know, Sean brought up some good points. It, it's interesting that he's came up to heavyweight, Jay Hilton, that is. He's not really all that big. He weighed in like low 230s this time, could probably pretty easily still make 205. But if you look at around at the talent in both those divisions, and especially the grappling ability at heavyweight, it's just so much worse. There's just not a lot of big athletic people who want to be MMA fighters because they can make way more money playing football or basketball. So we don't get the best athletes in those heavyweight classes. So, you know, I think he kind of sticks at heavyweight here. And as Sean pointed out, so far he's only needed one takedown to win all of his fights. The only angle I see here is what if he doesn't finish Biggie Boy with that first takedown? He's given up on the officially on the scales 34 pounds, but I'm guessing Rosenstrike had to cut some significant weight to make 265. So he could be at a 40, 50 pound deficit by the time the cage door closes. My only thought is if Biggie Boy is able to survive that first trip to the ground, maybe we play him live. You know, every round has to start back on his feet. He's got a good puncher shot. And if he just gets dominated in that first round, but somehow makes it to the bell, we could get a ridiculous line on him. You know, he's plus 390 pre-fight. He gets beat up in round one. That could be plus five, plus 600. I think the likeliest outcome is uh, Jalton takes him down and finishes him. But if he doesn't and we can get a real juicy price, I might play that too. So do you have, so you're, as of right now, you're passing. You might wait and go live. Yeah, yeah, definitely. I'm not betting anything pre-fight. You know, okay. under one and a half at minus 215 is just a ridiculous line if you Look at it in a vacuum, not under the context of this fight. Sean's right. Those are the sharper sides, but man, paying more than two to one just to get under one and a half seems insane. So I'm going to hope Biggie Boy can survive a little bit early on, make it an interesting fight, but pre-fight nothing. As Billy said, if this wasn't a main event, not a fight that I had to write up or talk about on a weekly basis, this would be a pretty easy pass considering where the prices are. But I think that under one and a half is a pretty safe bet to cash. Maybe I'll throw it in a parlay with something else I like. I should add to the early preliminary card and the regular prelims. They are starting at 11:30 a.m. Eastern on ESPN Plus. Main cards available on ABC at 3 p.m. Eastern. So earlier start to the day in Charlotte. Uh, do that. You know, keep that in mind when you uh, are getting your selections in. You can't wait till like the end of the day on Saturday. So keep that in mind. Our favorite underdogs for UFC Charlotte. Where are we looking this week, Zerillo? Douglas Silva Dandraj, the most ripped 37-year-old man on the planet, not going to get into how he looks in the shape that he does at his age, but he's 37. That is the main concern here. He's looked great, though, even in the latter part of his career. And Corey Stamen, Cody Stamen's 33 years old. It's not like he is some young buck. He's a control wrestler, and we've seen these control wrestler types, these point-fighting wrestler types, become less effective as the UFC or as MMA is sort of geared scoring much more towards damage in recent years. So it's hard to envision Stamen winning a clean 15 minute fight where he dominates and covers a favorite price tag, unless he has top position the entire time. He's not some particularly potent finisher on top. I would expect DSDA Douglas Silva to Andrade to win a lot of the scrambles, even if he's taken down, get back to his feet pretty frequently, land more strikes, be coming forward and land more damage on his opponent. So over the course of 15 minutes, I think he'll have the better optics for the judges just in terms of the striking and what he's going to be doing. Obviously, Stamen has the wrestling upside, but I don't really see him as this guy who's going to land 10 minutes at top time and sort of completely control the fight against the guy who's as athletic as the SDA. So Douglas Silva de Andrade, plus 130 on the money line. 
one of a few underdogs that I like on this card. And actually, I've seen this card get a lot of hate. I don't mind it at all from a betting perspective. I think there's some fun fights. Just the main event is terrible. Billy, you're also looking at the prelim card for an underdog. Yeah, as Sean said, love a ton of underdogs on this card. But I'm looking to the immortal, Matt Brown. Uh, interesting fight. He's taking on Court McGee. We give the UFC a hard time when they throw these older legend-type fighters in with some young up-and-coming prospect. They're doing right by these guys. You know, McGee is almost 39 himself, Matt Brown 42. I would not be shocked if we saw Ed Herman, Zach Cummings double retirement after this fight. But I think Brown is should be the A-side here despite being plus money. He's certainly lost a step. You know, he was a perennial top five guy for a few years in there. But I think he lost a step that Court McGee never really had. You know, McGee's not been a great striker in his career. I believe Matt Brown has the record for most knockouts at welterweight. Brown also a super underrated grappler. Like, I, my MMA team 10, 12 years ago, we'd watch Matt Brown fights and be all fired up at the gym to try some transition or submission that he pulled off. I think people are overlooking that part here with McGee. And it's almost priced as if Matt Brown is the older, slower fighter and he's fighting someone in their prime. That's not the case with McGee. He was brutally knocked out by Jeremy Maya Wells in his last fight. They're both two and five over the last five. This one should be about a pick em at worst. I would honestly make Brown a slight favorite if I hadn't seen the Lions. So a plus 180 or so, that's a great value. Our fight of the night that we are highlighting for UFC Charlotte, we've got... Ian Gary at minus 290. He takes on Daniel Rodriguez, plus 225. I want to go to Billy first here because looking at your luck ratings article, again, you can check that out, actionnetwork.com, Action Network app. Billy writes up uh, some edges that he might find uh, for each UFC week. And Billy, you've considered Rodriguez to be undervalued. Explain. Yeah, I also did a full fight breakdown of this one on the Action Network. And I'm just... I haven't been as impressed with Ian Gary as the hype around him would suggest. You know, he's Irish, which is obviously a big thing. Cage Warriors champion. I think they're really trying to push him as this next Conor McGregor type. And he's 4-0 in the UFC, two knockouts in there. But they've all been scary. Like, every one of those fights, he's had some big moment where he's hurt, he gets wobbled, something bad happens, and he's been able to recover. But this is a huge step up in competition against D-Rod. D-Rod 7-2 in the UFC. He's no slouch here. Everyone else that Gary has fought has had a losing record. D-Rod's also left-handed and has a similar reach as Gary. Gary's best thing is he'll step just out of range and land some straight shots. I don't know if that's going to be there against Daniel Rodriguez between the southpaw matchup and then the similar reach. It's going to be a a tight one because Rodriguez loves to swarm forward and throw big left hands. Gary loves to step just out of range and counter with straight rights. I think it's going to be kind of a pick with which one of those things able to land first. Gary, in theory, has the grappling advantage here. He's a judo black belt. Rodriguez a little bit rougher on the ground. But I don't think Gary wants to use it. We haven't seen him do it yet. I don't see any reason why he would do it now. So that's the bit that scares me a little bit. But I think the striking exchanges should be roughly even here. You can get Rodriguez as high as plus 250 certain places in the market, but the plus 225 is a fine line too. Okay. Zarillo, you have similar sentiments on Rodriguez this weekend. Yeah, Ian Gary, a guy who I've been waiting for the right spot to bet against. And I think this is a good one, given the price tag, especially in Daniel Rodriguez. Uh, The last time Ian Gary was at size parity, because he is pretty long for the division, he faced Jordan Williams in his UFC debut. And he lost the first round pretty cleanly. I believe he did score the knockdown at the end of the first, or the, the knockout that he got at the end of the first round, but he was losing minutes the entire time until he landed a big counter. 
And he closes, I believe, a minus 400 or minus 500 favorite in that matchup. Pretty steep. Daniel Rodriguez is a pretty solidified top 15 gatekeeper at the UFC level. He's 37. Gary should have the speed advantage. But I think Rodriguez has the timing advantage and certainly the better experience, better strength of schedule, better competition that he's faced in the past. Billy mentioned the potential grappling advantage for Gary. I'm not sure that he's going to be able to take Dan Rodriguez down even if he wants to. D-Rod's a really physical guy, a really sturdy guy. And I could actually see D-Rod winning some clinch battles here, putting Gary's back against the cage, beating him up a little bit in the clinch. He's pretty strong in the clinch if you can't get him down. So Danny Rodriguez should cover his price tag pretty easily in this matchup. It's just a question of whether the judges are going to want to give him a competitive decision. But I have a hard, hard time seeing this not being a competitive fight. And given the durability on either side, I would say D-Rod probably hits harder and is the more durable guy too. So across the board, Danny Rodriguez should be competitive here. And the finishing upside might be more in his corner. So D-Rod by knockout at plus 800, considering we've seen Gary wobble badly in the past. I believe he would have been finished by Song Kanan if Kanan hadn't followed him to the ground. So yeah, D-Rod, money line plus 240, knockout plus 800. Certainly easy bets for me to make. Real quick before we move on, Sean mentioned the durability. I believe Daniel Rodriguez, not even just in the UFC, but as a pro, has never been knocked out. Only finish was a submission loss to Neil Magny, which no shame in that. You know, and he was actually probably winning that fight too. But yeah, I, I don't think Daniel Rodriguez allows Gary to get hurt and recover the way his past opponents have because almost every one of his fights, he's been hit, kind of rocked pretty badly, but they've let him off the hook. I think that experience that Sean pointed out allows him to finish that if he is able to hurt him. He was winning that Magni fight, but he probably lost that split decision to Leech. I'm not sure if you mentioned that in your luck ratings. A lot of people thought Lee Jing Lang won that fight against D-Rod. But again, like he's competitive in every fight. He's never out of any fight. He's never been knocked out. And all of his decisions, win or loss, are close. So yeah, kind of a guy who fights to the level of his competition for good or bad. In that Leech fight, I kind of, I mentioned in the luck ratings, like I'm kind of just throwing that one out because it came together on 24 hours notice because of the Hamzat thing. And we'll look past that one. I didn't want to put too much stock in that for anyone involved. Absolutely. I just double-checked it. He has never been knocked out. Daniel yep. D-Rod Rodriguez has not been uh, knocked out. Also, if you like that KO price, might want to jump on it. FanDuel's price coming down. It's at plus 650. So if you like it, probably want to jump on before uh, that number continues to move in the wrong direction for our purposes. It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Okay, into props for UFC Charlotte. Where where are we looking, Zerillo? You said you liked underdogs uh, on the card. What about props? What do we like? Going back to the fight that Billy already talked about, Court McGee 
and the Immortal Matt Brown. Very surprised at the pricing for this bout to end inside the distance. I would have thought it would be minus 110 to minus 150 at worst, but we can get plus money on a fight where the combined age is 80 years old. <laughs> two guys to potentially knock one another out. We also see all the time in these, like, these veteran fights, these guys in their late 30s, they don't really grapple sometimes. They just want to throw down and get that fight of the night bonus as they're on their way out of the UFC. I'm sure the fans are going to be hyped for this fight. And if these two guys are throwing down in the middle of the octagon, I think the fans might encourage them to keep going. It just it just might be that type of vibe where it's like, yeah, these guys are going to throw down until somebody falls. So 40 years old, average age on either side of the fight, fight to end inside the distance of plus 120. I would love for somebody to go back and tell me all the fights in UFC history where the combined age is over 75 and see uh, what the finish rate is because it has to be pretty high. So plus, plus 120 on this fight to end by finish. Seems crazy, given the age of both fighters, the fact that Court McGee was just knocked out so badly, how hard Matt Brown hits. And frankly, Matt Brown, as he gets to 40 years old, his chin is gone as well. So, yeah, pretty easy bet, again, for me to make it plus money. Another inside the distance bet from Billy, but a different fight. What do you got? Yeah, I'm looking at the opener between Jessica Rose Clark and I believe it's Tayanara Lisboa. I don't know a ton about Lisboa. I don't have a lot of MMA tape on her, but she is a Muay Thai world champion. She's been in there with Valentina Shevchenko. All five of her professional wins, she's finished. Huge question about her grappling game, right? Like she could be a total fish out of water. I think Jessica Rose Clark is actually a fairly adept grappler. I'd say she's slightly better at grappling than striking. But this feels like one where if Jessica Rose Clark can bring this to the ground and has the advantage we think she has on the ground, should be a pretty easy finish that way. And if she can't take her down... Lisboa is a tremendously better striker. So it feels super binary this way, where one fighter is going to have a huge advantage no matter where it takes place. And we can get plus 138 to end inside the distance. That's pretty close to in line with the divisional average for the female 135. You know, the, the bigger women's divisions also have more finishes than the lighter ones. So I, I'm not sure that the market has that priced inaccurately as well. BRC also coming back off of a pretty bad injury too, right? Didn't she ever, her arm snapped in her last loss. So just another thing to keep an eye out for, you know, you have that injury factor to add into the fight, potentially ending early. Okay. And as we normally do, our final bets, best bets are some, uh, some short favorites that we would like to wrap with. Zarillo, you can go first and we'll go to Billy. Anthony the Lionheart Smith at a pick'em price, minus 110. He's the better MMA fighter in this matchup. Johnny Walker, the better athlete, but Smith just seems like the type of guy who could be kryptonite for Johnny Walker. He has a bunch of finished losses in his MMA career. He's lost uh, 14 of his 17 career losses by finish in 53 career fights. So I think the UFC sees this as a potential another highlight for Johnny Walker to add to his reel. But for me, this is a very similar fight to Smith as what he faced in Ryan Span, just in terms of the crazy early volatility, knowing he needs to survive the early storm, and then eventually flipping the momentum and putting it on his younger opponent who's looking to rise up the rankings. So Anthony Smith at minus 110, I think he has vastly more ways to win the fight, and I think after the first few minutes, this should definitely be his fight to lose. I'm expecting him to take up Walker down and beat him up on the ground, if not submit him. So Anthony Smith minus 110, Saw his inside the distance line is plus 150. So not much value in that compared to his money line. All right, Billy, you're going to go to the prelim card for one last bet. Yeah, back to the same fight I mentioned ending inside the distance. Going back to Tainara Lisboa, Sean pointed out, stole my thunder a little bit on the uh, broken arm angle from Jesse Jess. 
I, I, we're not sure how she's going to recover. She's also just like a really low level UFC fighter where in more competitive divisions probably still wouldn't be employed. You know, she's won two of her last five finished in the first round of both of her last two. I just think that one, one dominant skill set that Lisboa has is going to rule the day here. We haven't really seen a ton of great striking from Jessica Rose Clark. And when you have a fighter who's been so dominant in one sport, kind of seems like the UFC wants to make this a showcase fight for Tayanara more so than, you know, have an average fighter get a little bit more shine. So looking at Lisboa's money line, it's moved a little bit. This was another luck rankings fight that I mentioned. Still like it at minus 115. Obviously would have liked the, you know, plus 105 earlier in the week, but I'd take it down to about minus 130. She should be the better fighter here. Clark, not just the broken arm, also tore her ACL a couple of years ago, too. She's only had a couple fights since tearing her ACL, and she's one and two. So, yeah, she's 35, getting up there in age, injuries mounting up. It's spot where probably take the younger fighter who is on the way up. So last weekend, I know we, we were dabbling on horses as well with the Kentucky Derby. I'm fascinated, guys, with this earlier start to the day. Zerillo, Bill, you're both baseball guys, too. So how do you consume the day when you've got – Fights taking place in the morning, into the afternoon, and we've got several day baseball games. This is a complete wrinkle. You order food early or you, you stock up the fridge on Friday, that's for sure. Uh, you know, I went to the UFC Long Island card, which started at the same time, and it was really nice in terms of leaving the card at 7 p.m. and just like having the rest of the night because I've also gone to the MSG cards, the pay-per-view cards that don't start until 7 p.m. and you're not getting home till 4.30 in the morning. So in terms of attending the event, it's actually very nice. You still have the whole night ahead of you. Okay. Yeah, I like these early ones. While I bet and project baseball, I don't watch a ton of baseball. Also, my niche is the first inning. So, you know, <laughs> it doesn't take a lot of time. You finish that, figure that first inning bet out, and then I'm I'm back to the fight. So I might flip it on for a couple of those, but that's about it for me. I'm glad you brought that up. You can find Billy's Nerfy picks over at actionnetwork.com, his Nerfy write-ups. You've got, you're still doing those, right? Yes, sir. Yeah. Uh, Green Dot Daily later today, I'll be on there to discuss the model in depth. Beautiful. Friday, May 12th, you can find Billy. This should be out by then, so you can catch Billy on Green Dot Daily for some nerfy picks. Of course, you can find his luck ratings up at actionnetwork.com in the app. He breaks down a couple fights where he sees an edge, potentially. Okay, fellas, good stuff. That's going to do it for UFC on ABC uh, betting preview. Again, you can catch the fights 11.30 a.m., the prelim start on ESPN+, Plus. main card at 3 p.m. on ABC. Thanks to Billy Ward, Sean Zarillo. Find them in the app if they add anything else for the weekend. And uh, that's it. Brendan Glasheen signing off. Thanks for tuning in to our UFC betting preview on the Action Network podcast presented by FanDuel. Have a fantastic weekend. We'll talk to you next week. Action Network reminds you, please gamble responsibly. If you or someone you care about has a gambling problem, help is available 24-7 at 1-800-GAMBLER.